This is CliffCentral.com. Grant, I need to make a critical business decision. We've been expanding rapidly, and my gut feel tells me that we should be investing for growth. But I need to put some financial science behind that gut feel of mine. Don't you have a financial manager or director that can help you with that? But isn't that rather expensive? It doesn't have to be. Why don't you contact the finance team? They're a consultancy that can provide you with a part-time financial manager or director at a fraction of the cost of a full-time resource. Go to thefinanceteam.co.za. Welcome to our Business Masterclass. I'm Richard Angus, CEO of The Finance Team, your part-time financial executive solution. Joining me in studio as part of our panel is Leandi Stretter, business coach and guide from RaceCorp. Welcome, Leandi. Thank you, Richard. In this first half hour, our business skills conversation is brought to you in association with USB Ed. Last week, we talked about gearing for the Internet of Things. Is South Africa actually ready for this? Today's theme, we're focusing on ethics again, the role of ethics training. If I can remind you, our hashtag, hashtag, keep ethics alive, all one word. Joining us in studio is our guest, as always, Cynthia Skuman of the Ethics Monitor. Thank you. Nice to have you with us again, Cynthia. So... The question of ethics training. I mean, why do we even need ethics training? I mean, surely everybody knows when they're doing something wrong. They should know this. I I think your point is absolutely spot on, that ethics training is different to other areas of training where we're training to build knowledge and understanding. Your point exactly Do we know anyone who doesn't understand corruption's wrong, fraud's wrong, whatever the example is? The nuance then with ethics training is what I call a knowing-doing gap. Mm. We've already got the knowledge, but, Mm. but there's a gap in terms of the doing. So the training is really one of the interventions we should be using to influence people's choices, to influence how they behave, given that they've already got the knowledge. Now, you make the statement they've already got the knowledge. Doesn't that make a what do you call it, a presupposition? I'm trying to think of the right word for that. It makes the assumption that people intuitively have the same value set, that taking the cell phone from the desk here is wrong. Now, that, that that's an assumption, and mm. I think we all make that assumption, and we all judge by our own value set per se. Is that a valid construct? So uh, you, you, you experience this all day, every day. Yeah. It's, it's a hugely pertinent point in this field because given that, as we just said, that the training is focused on guiding your choices, one of the challenges to that choice is exactly your point, that people are coming into the workplace from vastly different personal experiences, backgrounds, cultures, you name it. And, and not only can, but almost certainly will have a wide range of values. And, and for someone, it's not that they don't understand pinching your cell phone is wrong. That's not the gap. They are more inclined for whatever reason to, to make another choice. So here again, that's where, where training or a training intervention comes in is, is to really reinforce what is acceptable conduct in the organization and what's not. Mm. So, I mean, how does one go about Train. I mean, in my mind, it's almost like training the untrainable. I mean, mm. uh, uh, can you do? I mean, you're talking ethics training, and we talked, and we we labelled this, you know, the role of ethics training. But 
Is it training, actually? No. no, no it's it, not. It's not. It's, it's in fact a word that I increasingly avoid using because training implies someone's coming in there with the knowledge and they're going to tell you. Mm. And, and that's not a, a useful framework at all. Yeah, yeah uh, I mean, it's, it's, you're not a parent here. It, <laughs> Thank goodness. Yeah. <laughs> yeah, especially for some of those companies out there. Mm, and yeah. um, so, so what uh, if you want a product that that is very successful in our training suite is ethics conversations. Right. Okay. So we want to have conversations. Yes. About how we behave in certain circumstances. Um, almost a learn by doing. Uh, yeah. And learn by uh, learn by by let's call it reference and and example. Well, it creates the opportunity for for people to, over a, a short period of time, to really apply their mind to ethics. Not to is corruption right or wrong. We, we've already got that, but to apply their mind to to the concepts. To what is the implication of this? What is my role in this? Do I have a responsibility? Does ethics matter for me? So. It uh, and the ethics conversation. Let me interrupt myself. Should be ongoing, um, but what it then lends itself to is that people start to make, if you want, more thoughtful choices. They're they're not they're not doing the knee jerk, um, you know, instant gratification. It's a new cell phone. Why wouldn't I? Um, it adds that deeper level of consideration and a, and a greater level of awareness. Having said that, it's not the perfect panacea, but it can be a very valuable engagement. Now, I mean, you know, I'm sitting here thinking, well, you know, ethics training, relevant, yes, needed, yes. Seen it around in the corporate world, yes. Mm -hmm. Aware that many corporates have it, yes. Mm -hmm. Looking at the headlines, was it successful? Hmm. I'm asking myself, you know. So, unfortunately, and you know, we always seem to come back to this conversation, but, you know, there's a few brands out there that right now, if I was the ethics training companies, I would go, hmm. So, on my list of potential clients, assuming they're still there by the time things are <laughs> over, you know, KPMG's on my list. Yeah. Of companies that possibly need a little bit of support in this world. <laughs> Eskim is on my list. Indeed. Um, of a number of state-owned enterprises are yeah. on my list. Yeah. Uh, the SAPs of the world are on my list. Mm. The McKinsey's of the world are mm. on my list. Mm. And, and, and I kind of go, hmm, but here's my problem. I can go and look around, and I won't go into the ethics training space and say who, who did the training in these spaces, but I'm pretty sure yes. they had people walking in there and being paid for an outcome and training and engagement happened. So what went wrong? Well, um, I think two responses to that are, are important. One is that the ethics training is often really minimal. Mm. Do you know if – does a company send all their people, I mean executives all the way down – um, even once a year in ethics training, almost certainly not. They think if a cluster of them have sort of had a two-hour session on it once a year, you know, they, they feel like they've done something extraordinary. Mm. And I often think comparisons are interesting because if ethics is an add-on in your mm. business, if it's some sort of thing that we'll draw in when, when and if it's convenient as an add-on, then you know what? That two hours every now and again is probably fine. 
But if we look at a comparison like, for example, safety in the mining industry, mm-hmm. and, and we've watched the transition where safety was an add-on, it's now core. To what extent do they do safety training? Well, I continue, you can't walk onto site without going through a safety briefing. So the time and focus and quality of what they're doing is just in a different league to the sort of grudge two hours Mm. or half a day that an organization might devote for some of their staff. And and here's the other response to, to your comment. Ask me if the executives are doing this. Mostly not. Mostly yeah, not. They're probably saying, I'm too busy. Yes. I've got other business issues that are pressing. Real business issues <laughs> will be their choice of words. I've got real business issues to deal with. I can't deal with this esoteric stuff. Yes, yes, yes. Mm. And, I mean, I, I guess the the point goes to, and I mean, we, we laugh, we'll laugh about this comment, um, you know, but KPMG sponsored the ethics training course. Yes, yes. So – like, how does this work? I mean, surely they don't understand the importance of ethics. They sponsored the ethics training course. Yeah, but, you know, I, I pointed out to someone I was in conversation with recently who said, but KPMG also sponsored ethics conferences. I said, yeah, well, let's let's think of that. If I sponsored a golf day, does that make me a great golfer? I'm thinking not. <laughs> yeah, okay. <laughs> Two points for that one. <laughs> so I guess, I guess that gets to the point of, you know, no matter who you are, having your name attached to, let's call it, certain outward behaviors, like I sponsored an event or I've got training on the schedule, doesn't necessarily mean that it has been effective and it has been inculcated into the organizational, let's call yeah. it, DNA. Yes. So how do you make sure that you get the right ethics let's call it DNA adjustments to happen from a training perspective. Give us some insights into the type of things that you need to be doing, the practical stuff that, and let's talk now about smaller businesses. We, you know, we're not talking here about, yes. you know, SA breweries here. Let's talk about, you know, the 50, 60 man yes. company that needs to worry about ethics and doing the right stuff. What should they be doing? What, sh- how should they be positioning this? What should they be thinking of? Give us yes. some insights. Uh, well, the first point is let's go back to your previous comment and drop the training word, but, mm. but we've yes. already made that. Mm. Um, the first recognition is that ethics training, whatever we want to call ethics it. Ethics conversations. Let's like, say ethics yeah. conversations. Is, is not in, in and of itself sufficient to, to build an ethical culture to create that DNA. It is a very useful contributor to that, but it is simply one facet of it. In addition to that, one needs to look at, for example, how you're incorporating ethics into your organization. Now, even at a small organization, they might well have the ethics policies. Yay, tick. Not a huge tick, but a tick. It does need to be there. Mm. But here's a simple question. Is ethics on the agenda at any of their management or board meetings? I don't mean is it brought up, is it literally on the agenda? Because we've all sat in board meetings. If it's not on the agenda, it is not being discussed. Mm. And it's as simple as that. And in fact, it's not the item that's under general. Oh, yeah. By the time general comes, everyone's looking at their watch and they're saying, no, 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 because they're halfway out the door anyway. Yeah. 
Okay, so how does a small entity, let's get back to the small entity, how do they have quality conversations about ethics? How do they practically do this? You know, you can you can literally, not unlike the interviews um, that you've been hosting, uh, they can literally script the questions that once a month there is a conversation around a particular facet of ethics, exactly as we've been doing. And what it does is it simply creates a space where, if you want, we're obliged to apply our mind to it beyond the obvious knee-jerk. Now, it doesn't mean, having said that, that that would avoid a problem, but it does mean that when a problem arises, actually you've already applied your mind to some extent. So, so you are that much better prepared. And, and collectively you can start looking at what are the innovative solutions in this business mm. that would hashtag keep ethics alive. Mm. Now, now I, I think to myself, you know, I've been in corporate environments where we've talked about ethics and, you know, we, we talk about, so what are my ethical responsibilities and might I say, what are my ethical responsibilities? Wait for it as a CASA. <laughs> yeah, yeah, I got that. <laughs> no, let's not go there. Um, you know, how does one impart a culture of ethical awareness mm. as part of that conversational space? Um, and one of the things that I found most difficult is that we all know what the response is. When we are faced with the conversation and the and the actual, let's call it, practical, you know, he has a scenario, play it out, what would you do? We all have the textbook answers. Yes. Okay. But then when the real event occurs and somebody's profit line is going to be impacted by saying, no, sorry, we don't do business like that. Mm. Or no, we don't, we're not going to accept that deal because we know there's a backhander being paid or we're not going to involve ourselves in a backhander. Therefore, we're going to lose that business. Um, or we're being told that the only way this is going to be successful is if you do business with company X, Y, or Z. Yes. Um, you know, when that happens and people's bonuses are on the line and performance measurement is tight and, you know, all the pressure is on, I think people, you know, they make the decision quite quickly, let me call it, in the moment of the, um, the role play. Yes. But when it comes to life and real engagement, sometimes this, this world gets a little bit of a, mm. oh, no, maybe, maybe that's a little bit harder, harder to deal with. In your experience, what is the, what is the best way to ensure that we don't have this like schizophrenia of, I know what the right thing to do is, but when I, when I, when, when I'm pushed to the brink of making the decision, I go with the flow. Mm. How, how does one avoid that schizophrenic uh, insight? Um, there, there are a couple of answers. One, one has to do with, with leadership and, and the core uh, rationale, if you want, of the business. And, and it's around saying, have you within the organization established ethics as being of sufficient and greater value that it will be an automatic first choice? And if you haven't, if, if you haven't embedded ethics, mm. 
um, then you run that risk that the decision will go the, the wrong way. Let me add to that and say what also encourages the decision to go the wrong way is that often organizations, and I think unintentionally, have got reward systems, have mm. got success mm. criteria that actually don't recognize ethics. They recognize sales or, yeah. or, or profits or whatever. And then, you know, if your incentive system is based on that, uh, you look at it and say, what works for me? I'm rewarded for doing X. Do yeah. I need to cut a few corners? Yeah, but that's not what the reward systems are. Right. So we per- perverse in- incentives is the word that yeah. flies around. Yeah, yeah. 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 And and I I think that that's also looking at we've got the the obvious intended outcome mm. of the incentives, but I think that leadership have to say, especially in the ethical context. What's the unintended outcome of this reward success mechanism? And just with regards to that, I think in today's complex business environment where it does come down to um, <clears throat> not just being efficient, but lead, you know, sales generation or revenue generation, um, incentivizing people to sell performance, um, talent retention, not just acquisition and so many complicated um, aspects playing with one another to create a successful organization. Um, I'm quite interested to know with regards to the embedment of these kinds of conversations, ethical ethics conversations, who do you believe are the most powerful stakeholders besides leadership? Because of course we know leadership sets, you know, they're the trailblazers. They, they light the way as the, the ultimate champions. But if we had to look at the stakeholders across a business, large business, as well as some of the smaller guys that are starting to formulize, who or yeah, formalize? Who would you say would play a very important role in igniting the um, ethics conversations in the organization? And what would you expect from them in terms of showing up? How do they need to show up? Uh, it's it's a great question, and and you could argue that all stakeholders in a business, whether you're the customer, the supplier, or whether you're an internal stakeholder like an employee. All of you share an absolute vested interest with the organization in right. in it being ethical. I'll qualify that in a moment. But I think what your point raises so very nicely is that the organization is expected to do this and primarily the leadership. And none of the other stakeholders are being looked to to play a role in this regard at all. Right. The, the real um, insight out of your question is – is if we look at employees and if I posed a question to, to a group of employees about ethics mm. and I said to them in terms of ethics, tell me what's in it for you? You know, the YIFM question, what's mm-hmm. in it for me? Of course, of course. <laughs> of course. Yes. No, but we're not asking this question and it's a really big deal because if you took the time, for example, in one of your ethics conversations to literally ask your employees, ethics, what's in it for you? in terms of working for an ethical organization, the wonderful response you're almost certainly going to get is that employees come to the realization that given a choice, they would want to work for an ethical organization. Why? Because they're treated with respect, they're treated fairly, they're recognized appropriately, they're rewarded fairly, they all those things. The environment is is high trust environment, great mm. reliability. Yeah, I could continue going, but I think the point is made. So what we're not making clear enough is that 
ethics doesn't just make great sense for organizations. Right. It makes great sense for employees. I certainly would want to be a supplier to a company that's ethical because you know what? It means I get paid untimely. Right. Uh, but, but those voices are, are not being adequately raised at all. Absolutely. And what also comes up for me is I, I love your insight there is because it's gone beyond my initial um, sort of just looking at the employee stakeholders within the employees inside the organizations. Um, it's extended that, you know, to our suppliers, to our um, various other stakeholders in terms of bodies and, and associations we belong to, etc. But um, also with regards to that, what comes up is is it becomes easier to become accountable and to really make it your own because for me it's also how does this stuff become you know how do these things come alive so we can have wonderful conversations um, we can feel great about it but like Richard said earlier on you know when the pressure is on yes. what do you do yes and how deeply do you need to entrench this from a values perspective create that space where I'm you know standing up for the right thing is is not frowned upon or it doesn't become a political gameplay um, it really is about doing the right thing and I'm in Empowered and I feel accountable and I feel that it's okay for me to do that. Um, how, how deep does this need to go and how many kinds of – what kind of interventions, how frequently need to happen to start embedding this kind of – I, I think your I think your point is really well made that, that you not only need to be empowered to make the right call, you need to have the assurance – that not not only will someone have your back, mm. but someone will actually recognize it and say, "Hey, great decision! Geez, I can tell you work for this company." Right. So, so there's got to be real recognition for it. In terms of you know how many interventions do you need? I mean, people have got real jobs to do. Of course, mm. I get that. So, in terms of, for example, bringing in external providers to to speak to ethics training, I I think that that's a valuable inclusion during the course of the year. Right. But but I come back to saying that that within within departments, within divisions, within teams, ethics should be on that on that agenda. It when you're looking at that new deal, when you're looking at that expansion, when right. you're looking at those new sales targets, the question should always be in there, guys, does this fit in with our values? Is right. this promoting the ethical behavior we want? Now this is not it's a two second question. So it's not onerous, and whether this applies to a large organization or a small, it's simply creating those questions at all the key points that then has the the outcome of keeping ethics alive. Again, you still need to embed it in, in processes and practices, but that would go an enormously long way to people recognizing the saying, you work for this company. They're really mm. serious about ethics. This is not tick box stuff here. Mm. They look at their major initiatives and they ask the question. Yeah, I was going to say, you know, there's that, that risk of, let me call it the tick box. And then there's also the elements of, you know, we're almost true to what we say we are. I mean, let's take, and I'll use some examples. There are state-owned enterprises. I won't name who, but I will tell you it's a state-owned enterprise. <laughs> yes. Where I personally know that people are faced with conflicts like, you know, you will tell the parliamentary committee the following information or the following view. Mm. And it's not the valid truth. Yes. Mm. And the person on the other side gets faced with this question of, or, or the scenario of, do I tell the truth and what's really going on and face 
the reality that I will get fired mm. versus I now tow the company line. Mm. And, and, you know, I, I start going, wow, you know, when, when, when those sort of things are blatantly out there and people know about it and people are talking about right. it, you just kind of go, wow, has, has, has the issue of ethics moved to an entirely different level that, yeah. that, that, you know, conversations are, or people are being told you will say the following. And I mean, yes. let's not joke about this. We all know the, you know, when the bosses are coming around to come and uh, walk through in the business, you know, tidy your desks. Make sure this is right. Make sure you're dressed appropriately. I mean, how many times has that yes. not happened yes. Yes. in yes. organizations? Mm. Think mm. about this. Mm. I mean, the reality, weren't you doing exactly the same? Wasn't the ethical message? We dress this up when we have yes. somebody Very coming true. and look. Uh, ethically, there's no difference between the company that, where the executives or the managers say, get your dress smartened up and dress appropriately for when the CEO is going to do a walkthrough in the business and the guys who say, listen, lie to the parliamentary standing committee on whatever. Well, like they, that. No, <laughs> the no, scale is. is uh, yes, the, the scale is different. I agree. Mm. But the, pr- uh, you know, my, my, my comment is, you know, doesn't make a difference if it's a million rand or five million rand. 50 million rand or 100 million rand doesn't make a difference. Do, do, do ethics split on how many zeros there are behind the number? I, and, 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 and I go, and my point being that if you have the clean the desk policy when the boss is coming around in the SOE, yes, let's just pick on the SOE yes. one business, and at the same, because they're also reporting to the parliamentary committee, you can't say, Hey, guys, present a fake picture of reality to the CEO when he walks around mm. and, and say, but that's cool. And then go, but telling the CEO, telling somebody in the executive team to tell the parliamentary standing committee an, an incorrect fact or yes. bend the truth. Yes. Fundamentally, I'm going, well, hold on a second, people. That's one in the same conversation, talking about exactly. conversations around yeah. ethics inside the organization. You can't say, hey, it's cool to dress the desk mm. and the people to present the picture of mm. beauty and everything's right here. Yes. And, you know, yeah, we're doing our jobs right and this is how we live our lives and, you know, we're doing everything right here. Great. You know, yes. false picture, you know. Poster child stuff. Yes. And then, you know, lie to the board, lie to the parliamentary committee, pick your, pick your accountability yeah. framework. And but I think, I think that for me just kind of speaks volumes that people, you know, I mean, I always use the saying, and I, I know you've heard it once before, but I'll repeat it again. What you say, uh, what you do screams so loud. I can't hear a word you're saying. Exactly. And, mm. and we do this all the time and, and, and leadership does it unconsciously. Yes. You know, mm. we walk around. I mean, I, I've been privy to scenarios where I can see that this has been done. Mm. Right. And I look at this and I go, I've, I, I've questioned management. I've said to you guys, guys, desks don't look like this normally, do they? <laughs> and everybody like looks at me and said, you got this all sorted for me. Am I right? Yes. And they look at me and they go, yeah. I'm like, thank you. I really appreciate the efforts. And I look at the people and I say, I really appreciate the efforts you've taken to tidy up your space and dress up, dress up mm. for my visit. I thank you for the efforts you're putting in to make me feel good about visiting you. Yeah. Making it very clear to them. 
that I know what's going on. Yes. I appreciate their efforts, but I'm not taken in by by the, the by the, the image that's created. And and it's it's not about that. It's about the it's not the truth. Well, I I think honest conversations. <laughs> exactly. And and I think the the really challenging situation you raise is where a staff member is being coerced mm. into lying. And mm. and let's be clear, it's coerced because if you don't Mm. Um, you know what? It's never mind just that bonus. There's going to be some mysterious charge and you're going to be suspended. And this is not a theoretical conversation. We've seen it happening. Mm. We've seen it happening time and time again. Yeah. Cynthia, it's been great to talk about training and let's rather say honest conversations in the yes. work, in the workplace around ethics. Next up is our business conversation. Stay with us. This is cliffcentral.com.